The final Monday of the fourth month of 2022 is here, as April apparently prepares to transition into the middle of the summer. Things are always heating up in local and regional government, and this begins another week of coverage from Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to take the temperature as frequently as possible. I'm your unofficial proctor, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, the Virginia General Assembly meets on Wednesday, and some members of the House Democratic Caucus seek new leaders. Finalists are announced for the Charlottesville Business Innovation Council's Awards Gala in May. The entire Village of Rivanna Community Advisory Committee has resigned in protest. A committee will get to work this week to determine if an Albemarle Elementary School should continue to be named for educator Mary Carr Greer. And Albemarle County Supervisors approve another $2.5 million to move the Crozet Plaza project forward. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, did you know we are now in the middle of the Rivanna Riverfest? A host of partners, including the Rivanna Conservation Alliance and the Nature Conservancy, are holding a series of events all week to celebrate the waterway that helps define urban Albemarle and Charlottesville. This all culminates in the main event this Sunday, May 1st, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., at the Rivanna River Company on the banks of the Rivanna River. This includes the Rivanna River Paddle Race, the virtual Fix-A-Leak Family 5K. There will also be water quality monitoring demonstrations, the City Nature Challenge, pop-up environmental education activities, and a guided bird walk at Riverview Park. Learn more at rivannariver.org. The General Assembly is set to return to Richmond this Wednesday for a session to respond to Governor Glenn Youngkin's recommendations and vetoes. Brandon Jarvis writes for the Virginia Political Newsletter that one Democratic member of the House is seeking a new leadership vote before that work gets underway, with him at the top. Delegate Don Scott sent a letter yesterday to members of the House Democratic Caucus offering his resignation as its vice chair for outreach. Scott also claimed that caucus bylaws require an election for his replacement before Wednesday's veto session begins. He also invoked the bylaws to call for a leadership vote. He wants a vote for a new leader, caucus chair, and vice chair for outreach. The current minority leader is Delegate Eileen Filler-Korn, a Democrat from the 41st District who had served as Speaker when the Democrats had a 10-seat majority from 2020 to 2021. The current caucus chair is Delegate Sharneel Herring. Republicans now have 52 seats to the Democrats' 48, and Scott nominated himself as the new leader, with Delegate Sally Hudson as caucus chair. Brandon Jarvis reports that the vote will be a secret ballot, and 25 votes are needed for a slate to be elected. Albemarle County Public Schools continue their review of existing schools this week to see if their current namesakes are appropriate for the third decade of the 21st century. On Tuesday, a committee to review the name of Mary Carr Greer Elementary School will begin their work at a 3 p.m. organizational meeting, but the public is not allowed. 
Twelve people have been selected to see if the name is consistent with the county's naming policy. The committee includes Principal Steve Saunders as well as guidance counselor Susie Lee. As with other schools that have gone through this process, the committee will develop a community survey to solicit suggestions for a school name. Two public meetings will be held as well. Here's a section from the notice on the county's website. Members of the community and the committee can recommend either a new name be chosen for the school or the retention of its current name. If the advisory committee selects the current school name as one of its three finalists, the policy requires the committee to examine if Mary Carr Greer, for whom the school is named, made contributions to the community of state, national, or worldwide significance. According to the Ivy Creek Foundation, Mary Carr Greer lived from 1884 to 1973 and was the eldest daughter of Hugh Carr. She attended Union Ridge Graded School, a school for black students established after emancipation. Greer would become a teacher and joined the faculty at the Albemarle Training School before becoming its principal in 1931. She retired from education in 1950. The elementary school that carries her name opened in 1979 off of Lambs Lane. So far, the names of Broadus Wood Elementary and Virginia L. Murray Elementary School have been retained. Paul Kale Elementary was named Mountain View Elementary. Mortimer Sutherland Elementary was named Lakeside Elementary. And Murray High School is now the Community Lab School. Jack Jewett Middle School will become Journey Middle School on July 1st. All but two members of one of Albemarle's Growth Area Advisory Committees have resigned. The county's website shows eight vacancies on the Village of Rivanna Community Advisory Committee, or VORCAC. That group is charged with making recommendations and providing guidance to the Board of Supervisors on land use items within the scope of the Village of Rivanna Master Plan. However, in an April 19th post on their Substack newsletter, members cited staff interference in their efforts to provide education efforts about the master plan. Here's a section from that newsletter. Supervisor Donna Price is concerned that our review of the master plan update is taking too much staff time. It is our opinion that more time is needed to create a working plan that can be used as intended. The VORCAC group last met in March, but an April 11th meeting was canceled. The post concludes with an email Price sent to former VORCAC chair Dennis Odenoff, explaining that the ongoing review of the comprehensive plan takes precedence over other planning activities which require staff time. In an April 5th email to the VORCAC board, Supervisor Donna Price, who is the member of the Board of Supervisors who is on VORCAC, said that there are no active development applications ready for discussion, and said that Planning Director Charles Rapp made a recommendation on March 1st that there was no need to hold a meeting in April. Many of the VORCAC members have insisted loudly for years that the plan allows for no more than one housing unit per acre. Last October, they successfully held the Board of Supervisors to that interpretation of the vision when Southern Development's Breezy Hill development came through the process. Southern Development had sought to build many more units than the maximum of 80 that were approved by supervisors for the nearly 80-acre parcel. Joe Four is a member of the Crozet Community Advisory Committee who addressed the Board of Supervisors last week about the issue. Four spoke as a community member and not in an official capacity as the Crozet Group's new chair.
But to the extent that this portends the board's treatment of all CACs, it's troubling. The notion that CACs would be prevented from meeting or from setting their own agendas, even in months when there are no pressing issues from county staff, is a dramatic departure from the way that these committees have operated for many years. Four said county staff have used the pandemic to assert more control over the groups. Questions sent to the Public Engagement Office this morning were not yet returned, but I'll be following up on this in future installments of the program. There is a precedent for supervisors putting limitations on CACs and making other changes. In December of 2014, supervisors voted to suspend the Places 29 CAC, and eventually it was split into three different requests. This was at the original request of former supervisor Brad Sheffield. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for three quick shout-outs. Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforseville.org to learn about those projects. Another subscriber to the Town Tire Productions Patreon site wants you to know that today is a great day to spread good cheer, reach out to an old friend, compliment a stranger, or pause for a moment of gratitude to savor a delight. The final shout-out today comes from another Patreon supporter who wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist. Whether it be The Daily Progress, Charlottesville Tomorrow, Seville Weekly, NBC 29, CBS 19, WINA, or the Crozet Gazette, or some other place I haven't mentioned, the community depends on a network of people writing about the community. Go learn about this place today, wherever you can get the information. Two more segments today. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors has agreed to spend an additional $2.5 million in public money on a public-private partnership to redevelop the barn's lumberyard in Crozet to provide the infrastructure for a more urban character. Supervisors had previously agreed to a partnership in 2019. The original agreement required the county to pay $1.6 million toward the plaza and to provide the equivalent amount in tax rebates through a synthetic tax increment financing plan. Doug Bates is on the board of the Downtown Crozet Initiative, a nonprofit group also working toward the effort. For the last five years, we have engaged in an aspirational dream out in, out in Crozet, hoping for a plaza. A couple of years back, that dream began to get some real teeth to it when you as a board acted to, to develop an agreement between the Newtown Associates, DCI, and, and yourself, the county itself. Bates said the addendum to the agreement is necessary to help jumpstart the economic development efforts to complete the project. It's going to be your Western outpost, a moment of real inspiration to watch the mountains and see children play. However, additional funding is required to help with cost overruns caused by inflation. 
The cost estimate for the first phase is now $7.88 million, higher than the $5.4 million originally anticipated. Doug Walker is the deputy county executive. The roads in particular, which uh, are of most significance with respect to uh, what we're asking the board to consider uh, and its investment uh, as a part of this, uh, this outreach today. Walker said the project would not happen without the public-private partnership. Um, it provides public um, contributions to, uh, to provide for public benefit, including the developer's contribution of, in this case, his money, uh, in order to match VDOT revenue-sharing money. Walker said the closest equivalent to what the plaza hopes to be is the Charlottesville Downtown Mall. In fact, it is a plaza. It is owned by and managed by City Parks and Recreation, but you can see the uh, the uh, essential connectivity that it provides to the to that business corridor and the life that it brings into that area. Walker said this project builds off of previous Albemarle investment into the Crozet Library, which built a road connection to a future library avenue. It's also interconnected with efforts to also transform what's known as the square. And the square is that piece of road that runs um, from Crozet Avenue in front of Mudhouse, Far Downers, Parkway Pharmacy, um, and then ties then into what would be then phase one of this project. That also is a transportation revenue sharing project. Staff suggested using $1 million from the American Rescue Plan Act and $1.5 million from the county's economic development investment pool. This is an old industrial site being repurposed. Uh, there is um, is putting it back into productive and constructive public, uh, public and private use. As part of the amended agreement, the developer will build public restrooms as part of the first phase. Another $50,000 will go to the Downtown Crozet Initiative for seed money for an executive director to program the new space. Supervisor Ned Galloway wanted to know about how that $50,000 would be used. How will the relationship between the county and that entity and then the responsibilities of each for the management of the space in that position be formalized? Lance Stewart, the county's director of facilities and environmental services, said a management agreement would be worked out. I would expect a couple of work sessions with the board in the future to to make sure that we're comfortable with the the role uh, that they would hold. Galloway said he just wants to avoid a county employee being required to run the plaza. More on this as it develops. An organization that seeks to promote business and technology in the greater Charlottesville area has announced the finalists for its annual awards gala. The Central Business Innovation Council will hold their first in-person ceremony for this since 2019. That'll take place May 26th at Castle Hill Cider. Executive Director Tracy Green said in a statement that these awards serve as an annual touchstone others can look to for inspiration and encouragement during their professional journeys. CBIC has been handing out these awards since 1998, but took last year off due to the pandemic. Now, let's hear who the finalists are. The finalists for Business of the Year are Adiel Pharmaceuticals. Perone Robotics, Rivana Medical. The finalists for Educator of the Year are Emily Anderson of Lakeside Middle School, Albemarle County Public Schools, Robbie Muncy of St. Anne's Belfield, 
and Heather Schmidt of Career and Technical Education for Albemarle County Schools. The Employee of the Year finalists are RK Mead X, Kosaic, and Co-Construct. The Entrepreneur of the Year finalists are Aaron Reedy of Data Classroom, Sandy Reiske of Apex Clean Energy, Dan Schleifer of Kosaic. The finalists for Innovator of the Year are Lytos Technologies, Lumasite, and Twin Thread. The finalists for Partnership of the Year are the Better World, Center for Nonprofit Excellence and United Way of Greater Charlottesville, and Code for Charlottesville. The finalists for the Startup of the Year are Molecular Biologicals, SceneThink, and Springbok Analytics. The finalists for the Social Good Award are Sarnia, the STEAM Discovery Academy, STEAM Kits, and Visit Able. The finalists for the Student Entrepreneur of the Year are Alec Brewer of Transform, Elizabeth Blankenship of Coton, and Elliot Croteau of Elliot's Vision. You can click through links to all of those and know more about them. But that's the end of all the new things to know about in this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Thank you very much for listening and thanks for getting to this part of the portion where I say thank you again and again and again and hope that you will uh, send this on to, to other people. And of course, this one, of course, uh, is the, um, the end of the month is approaching. And of course, it's a good time to consider a contribution through Patreon. Patreon is much more than just the Substack newsletter that you have become accustomed to. There are other projects that Town Crier Productions is looking to put together. And in addition to the Substack, if you'd like to support and know more about what's happening with the company and what we have in motion, well, it's just me at this point, but I'm hoping to get other people in motion eventually uh, with this whole crazy thing. But just go look at Patreon. There's a link in the newsletter. And of course, as always, if just just know that Ting will match anybody's initial Substack payment. Uh, the hope is to continue growing this business, and you're part of that. So thank you very much for that. I am Sean Tubbs, and I'll be back in the morning with another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. In the meantime, stay cool out there, and if you have allergies, stay medicated or just stay out of the pollen. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.